Welcome back, everybody, to Ed Up Health Up, where we transform healthcare through innovative educational solutions. This is Jeffrey M. Roach, your host, and I am excited to be with you as we Ed Up Health Up and transform healthcare through innovative education and workforce solutions. Our healthcare system is facing global workforce crises at all levels and roles. The healthcare, or, the, or excuse me, the solution to this challenge requires an ecosystem approach bringing together healthcare, higher education, and workforce development in a manner that develops new pathways to careers, refining academic programs to ensure they meet the healthcare industry needs, and embracing certificates and certifications as a vital part of the solution. Today, we are joined by Misty Frost, CEO of Keras, an organization dedicated to building learning experiences that allow individuals to enter and then grow their careers in healthcare. Misty has extensive global experience as a senior executive, where she has served for over 25 years in senior leadership roles at innovative companies such as Instructure and Datamark. In addition, she has worked in a variety of client advocacy roles for global brands that include Intel, Nortel Networks, Hyatt Hotels, and even Disney. So I'm sure she can share with us some wonderful service experience uh, work as well. Misty is also an active member of the Women's Tech Council, and the Utah Wonder Women, a group dedicated to developing women's executive leadership. So we are truly blessed to have you, Misty, here. It's wonderful to see you. And obviously, uh, you happen to be a leader with, with uh, an immense background, but also I know passion in, in, a, in further developing not just women leaders, but leaders of all kinds. And so thank you so much for being here. And, and if you don't mind, we'd love to hear more about uh, the work that you do at Keras. Um, it's important work, and we know you're doing a wonderful job leading it. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. It's such an honor to be here. Um, the work that we do at Keras is really trying to rethink how healthcare education could be applied in what's often referred to as allied healthcare, the middle skills jobs. So for those people who are not, who don't spend all day, every day thinking about this problem, we're talking about folks like medical assistants or pharmacy techs or patient care technicians. So those kinds of jobs, which we, we talk a lot about the shortage of uh, nurses in the healthcare crisis, but we also have a significant shortage of all the allied healthcare category, if you will. And so one of the things we think about a lot at Keras is closing that gap between the training and the hiring. So how do we work with employers to make sure that the folks who are entering the market have the greatest opportunity to not only become employed, but also use that employment to further their own careers and ultimately you know, grow with their employers rather than, than churn, which is what so often happens in these roles. I appreciate you sharing that. And you know, I wanna highlight you know, something that you, that you brought up there in that important work. And in many ways, it's, it's that focus on work-based learning. Can you share a little bit about, you know, how Keras has taken that, you know, to the next level? I know that, you know, Keras is continuing to innovate within the learning model, uh, but particularly around, you know, the work of, of AR, VR, and how, you know, not only are you educating, but you're also giving students, even in these critical allied health roles, you know, that still may require clinical experiences, you're also bringing opportunities of additional practical skills development into the programs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, we think about the, the content in, from a variety of lenses. So first and foremost, we always try to develop our learning and training content 
through the lens of what will make our learner job ready day one. Um, one of the big challenges with online education is that notion of the practicum or the hands-on experience. So we, we do a couple of different things to solve for that today, and we're always looking for new, better, faster ways of doing it. So one of the things that's really important is that we partner with employers to make sure that folks get externships that are relevant, meaningful, monitored, and we work with employers to capture that information so that we can make sure that we have a solid record for the learner of the things that they have done. I think historically in healthcare um, and as across much of education, people have been looking for certifications or diplomas or that piece of paper that says this person knows stuff. And unfortunately, that's not always enough, particularly when it comes to the more hands-on aspects of healthcare. So the other thing that we take a look at is when we're designing learning experiences, we work with the certification bodies to make sure that we identify all the core and associated skills that they will be looking for when they do the final assessment. But we also work with employers and pull a bunch of job data to see what employers are looking for. And then when we do our course design, we're marrying those two things together to ensure that the learners who make it through our courses are the most prepared they possibly can be. Um, so thinking about it really from a skill standpoint, really thinking about career pathways, really thinking about skill stacking, all of those things that we've, we've all been talking about for a while, but we've redesigned our course catalog to be able to actually do those things today. And then to your point about AR and VR, whenever we find something that we feel enhances that learning experience and really gets people job ready, um, we embed that as well. So our course design is constantly evolving to make sure that we're taking advantage of the latest and greatest of what's out there. Which is, which is wonderful because obviously, you know, even healthcare is starting to really understand that, that, you know, AR, VR, uh, while never can replace obviously hands-on practical, it's an, it's, it's an additional, you know, source of phenomenal practical opportunity to still demonstrate skills. Um, and so it's important that obviously Karis has been a leader in that space. But I'm, you know, I'm curious, Misty, because throughout your career, there, there's one thing that, that I know has resonated with me, uh, even when I first met you and, and you know, seeing the work that you're doing at Karis is you've always been in roles where you're focused on connecting people to opportunities. I'm curious about, you know, when you look at the work you do at Karis, but when we think about healthcare today, what do you think needs to happen within this ecosystem of higher education, healthcare, and workforce development, you know, among all training providers to, to help, help really change this dichotomy of a time where we're, we're, we're truly seeing a crisis? I mean, you know, uh, recently Forbes said, you know, it was a report from McKinsey uh, that, you know, by 2025, uh, we could have 450,000 fewer caregivers. And that was actually specifically highlighting that, that statistic among medical assistants and nurses. And, you know, obviously, you know, to your earlier point, you have, you know, a medical assistant program, but you have a whole litany of other allied health uh, programs that are all focused on building pipelines. What do you think needs to happen uh, to really change this? Well, I'm so glad you keep using the word ecosystem because I think that is fundamental. We've come out of a period of history where education, I believe, was 
was becoming more and more disconnected from employment. So we're, you know, we're still doing liberal arts degrees and employers, particularly in practical jobs, are having a hard time finding employees who are in fact ready for employment. So I think we have an incredible opportunity as an ecosystem to break down some of those barriers, to really involve the employers in what's needed in the education, right? Um, which isn't to say that education isn't wonderful in and of its own sake, but connecting that to the workforce, I think we're at an unprecedented time in history where those things really can come together and those relationships would make all of it stronger, would make more relevant education, would make stronger employees, would you know, help reduce things like churn and retention on the employer side. So I think there's a lot of goodness here in creating that ecosystem. Yeah, which which to your point is is so important because obviously, you know, in many ways, even though, you know, we know uh, higher education, workforce development, and healthcare have been working together, uh, we still know there are times where programs are launched, new academic programs, even training programs that may not be launched necessarily with with everyone at the table, um, and that that critical element of bringing those folks uh, literally to the table. Uh, to develop it, not just based on labor market needs, but but also specific needs and healthcare is critical. I'm curious to get your thoughts. I mean, when, when we look at healthcare, one of the challenges particularly is that from an education end as, a, as an enterprise, healthcare has always kind of stood on their 5250. Uh, you know, every, every employee gets 5250 generally uh, for tuition reimbursement. And so when we think about, you know, upskilling, reskilling, giving individuals an opportunity to take that next step in their, you know, hopefully lifelong career in healthcare. How do you think that happens when we've sort of been stuck with that 5250? Well, I think it's, in, it's incumbent on companies like us to figure out either ways to work with employers to prove the value of increasing that investment, but also to provide high value opportunities within that investment. So when we think about you know, our price point, it's very specifically designed to make sure that learners can get to a credential for that level of investment. Now, ongoing training and, and development is, is another challenge, right? So if you can get there in the beginning, but then there's no funds left to grow, obviously that, that creates retention and churn problems for employers. So I think what we're seeing, um, at least through our client base, is that employers are really starting to rethink that for ongoing professional development. You know, we've come out of a world where everyone was kind of individually responsible for their professional development. And what we're starting to see is that um, folks are developing more in their employees now. And they're really thinking through how do we close skills gaps? How do we keep people engaged? How do we take a page out of maybe some other verticals that don't have the kind of churn problems that we have and offer those as services and a benefit that not only benefit our employees, but benefit us as an organization. So in terms of the financial commitment you know, we're starting to see that shift a little bit in pockets. And I think as employers recognize the, the rate of return on those kind of investments, I'm, I'm really hoping that that will start to shift upwards. 
I agree with you. And, and, you know, obviously to your point, we're certainly encouraged to see, you know, more and more dialogue and, and more and more change there. But the, the, the sheer reality is that where we sit today, you know, we really do want to put out a call to action, uh, particularly at, at employers at all levels that, you know, there, there is really important work being done in this space. And, you know, one of the things I, I often think about is, uh, you know, people generally ask this question all the time. And, you know, certainly I want to give you an opportunity to answer this too. But, you know, and, and sometimes we even hear healthcare organizations say this, well, you know, my community college uh, is doing this work. Um, and, you know, I always say, well, that's true. They are. And obviously, you know, I'm a huge community college uh, fan. My mother, you know, was a nurse. Uh, well, now still a nurse, but retired as a nurse, went to a community college, had a phenomenal education. But the reality, when you look at just labor market needs today across the country, there's never going to be enough community colleges to truly meet the demand that is required to actually provide and present the workforce. Uh, there's not enough faculty. Um, you know, historically, community colleges have been more in person, um, haven't necessarily had that infrastructure to move programs online. But I want to give you an opportunity to speak to that, because obviously you work across the country. Uh, you work in markets that, you know, may have some of the best community colleges, uh, you know, in the nation. But, you know, anything you'd want to share there, particularly because I know that Keras has um, extremely high quality programs and also phenomenal completion rates that, that I think are, are important for people to consider in these programs as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a place for everyone, right? To, to your point, there is so much demand right now that no one provider, no community college, there aren't enough teachers, there are not enough classroom hours. Even with the model that we have, which is online, you still have physical constraints um, when, we, when you're talking about things like practicum. Um, so we really think by and large, that there's room for everyone because the need is so great. I think that you can get a really high quality education online if that's what works for you. That's not great for every single learner, as we know. Some people do better in person, some people do better independently. And so I think the range of choices is not going away anytime soon, nor should it. Where I think that we can do a better job is in this notion of best practices, right? How do we collaborate better in, on behalf of the learner and the student to really make sure that we're providing, no matter who the, the learner, or I'm sorry, who the institution is, we're providing and learning from each other so that we're actually enabling the workforce because that's, that's the important outcome, right? When we talk about student outcomes, really in our world, it's a job. So if they, if they can't get there, none of the rest of it really matters. So we actually do partner quite a bit with academic institutions, both uh, what you would consider more traditional four years and community colleges to provide content. And we also partner with them to get content feedback. So what's working and what's not for them. So we, we think about it as it needs to be flexible for the, the needs of the learner rather than just the institution. I appreciate your insights there because, I mean, it, it's critical there that, again, you're taking an ecosystem approach to what we know is an ecosystem challenge. Um, you know, healthcare by nature, obviously, you know, when we look at patient care, even more so is cross-functional. And, you know, just curious from your perspective, how have you, you know, at Keras embedded that type of thinking 
um, in into you know your programs from you know obviously not only is it cross functional but many would also subscribe uh, that that whether you're clinical or non clinical the more that you think in a systems thinking manner benefits uh, the patients and all the consumers that we serve. Yeah, that's actually something that we think about a lot. Um, so I mentioned earlier, we think about our course development in terms of skills and career pathways and things like that. And that I think is really relevant to this particular challenge because if you're presenting core concepts in ways that are applicable no matter what your path are or is rather, you have more opportunity to embed that systemic or systems thinking in folks because they do have opportunities to move jobs by acquiring skills. So what I mean by that is, you know, you can take a very basic example of something like an, an anatomy module, and it can be relevant to every single course that's in your catalog, but you may have something like, let's say injections, that's only relevant to maybe a third of your catalog. But in the example of, we all know MAs um, in some states are required to be able to inject and some states are not, which is strange to me, but it's true. But for the states where they need their MAs to have the injection skill, how much better is it for them to take someone who's all, always trained and remediate against a core skill as opposed to thinking of it and a single lane, this person can only do this thing, I can only hire this one category. Um, I was talking to an employer the other day who was actually looking to replace a lot of their CNAs with EMTs because they were trying to solve for folks who had broader perspective and were more, as they put it, a Swiss army knife. Um, and I think that all jobs should have the ability to be Swiss army knives. If you, I believe if you give people the exposure to the right things in the training and you think about it as skills to be acquired rather than a singular job path, you're gonna get there farther faster. I love that. I love that analogy to a Swiss army knife because it, you know, it's powerful when you, when you truly think about it from the vantage point of, of, um, you know, of, of healthcare alone, you know, to your point about, about the education, about the training and, and, and really that continued, you know, training that particularly healthcare employees at all levels need to have. You know, when we think of healthcare, you know, it's, it's by far one of the most highly regulated industries and thus, you know, has actually forced, you know, in the academic space because of accreditation, et cetera, uh, even national certification boards uh, too, specific, you know, things you have to do, you know, to earn this uh, and to earn that. What's interesting though, is when you look at other industries, there haven't necessarily been as much focus on defined pathways. I'm just curious from your, you know, expertise and insights across the nation, if there's anything that you think is important there to share on, on how, you know, even in healthcare, despite that, we still have a lot of work to do to really further develop these pathways, but how important do you think that is from the work that you see? I think it's important for two reasons. Um, one is it gives, gives educators or trainers that shared understanding about what creates quality outcomes, right? If we can agree on what an appropriate pathway is, by nature, we're all doing a better job of teaching people the things they need to know. I also think it's really important for employers to understand what's 
what to expect from people who are just entering the workforce. The challenge, particularly in healthcare, is it's not like people are coming in with large resumes. They're not, they haven't often worked in healthcare before. It is highly regulated. Um, depending on where they get their training, it can be a wildly different experience, right? So for employers, it's, it's a little bit miserable to try to figure out, is this person going to work? What can I expect for this person to know? Because I think they're going to have the technical skills because they have the certification, but are they going to know how to work with staff? Are they going to know how to work with patients? And there are a lot of questions that employers have that they can't really get the answers to because we don't have a common understanding of what we really mean by the pathway. That's very insightful and definitely something that, you know, I think on the employer end and, and even on the academic end and, and also really in workforce development, all of us need to be thinking about what we can do. One of the things I often say in healthcare, you know, as a former hospital uh, administrator is that, you know, even in healthcare where we do have some defined clinical pathways, uh, we, we don't ever show uh, a student. And when I say a student, all ages, visually, you know, you can do this and you can get here. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we may do some aspect of that in nursing, but, you know, I always say to people, I mean, I was talking to a healthcare executive in the North Carolina market recently, and, you know, I didn't realize this, but as we were talking, she said, you know, I started out as a, and as, as an executive assistant, uh, and now I'm the executive vice president. And, um, you know, obviously that's a different example, but, but that's actually in healthcare. Oftentimes what we see is that, you know, you can have clinical, uh, you know, skills development, clinical pathways that lead to various different roles and in the non-clinical space that can most certainly happen, uh, as well. I want to highlight something that I know, you know, I've seen you contribute to as well in your career. And you want to just get your thoughts on it from, from really this career mobility end, uh, as well as the critical work that you do at Keras is, is really the importance of mentorship. Um, you know, there are many people who would say that we don't do enough to mentor in this full ecosystem work. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to share your, your thoughts. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I actually think that's really, really critical. Um, one of the conversations we've been having internally is, and, and with some of the, the folks that we talked to about apprenticeships or externships is how much more successful are folks when they have a mentor or a guide, when they're, they're brand new to the space, they've done all the training, but the real world is, as we all know, a little bit different getting into it. And can we figure out how much more successful people will be if they're given some even lightweight type of mentorship, um, not just, hey, here's your manager and they're gonna, they're gonna kind of watch over your shoulder, but the ability to go to people and ask hard questions they may not be comfortable asking their manager or, hey, I'm struggling with this thing and my manager's really upset because I had struggled to you know, show up to work on time or whatever it is and have, have more resources. One of the things that we're looking at doing right now to help solve for that is building an online community where people can have access to folks who may be a little farther along in their careers or may have gone through some of the things they're going through now and creating sort of a safe space for them to connect and ask those questions. But I do think hands-on, in-person, live 
can be really, really important in that first few months when you're just getting into your career and can probably make the difference between whether or not you stay in it. So I would love to see more of an emphasis on, on sort of employment soft landing, if you will, and, and making it a little easier for folks who are just getting into it to have a fighting chance of being successful. I appreciate that. And, and obviously to your point, it's, it's, it's more critical than ever because we're seeing individuals, you know, earn national level certifications uh, and then literally leave, you know, within the first three to six months. And what's interesting is that when you speak to them, when you, when you see even employee engagement surveys, uh, a lot of times it comes down to culture, um, but other times it comes down to their onboarding and, and what type of support, you know, did they have, whether from a supervisor or just from the organization in general. And so the power of mentorship, the power uh, of really encouraging an individual, you know, aligning them with someone else that may have lived in, and walked in their shoes is critical. Um, and frankly, you know, an important ecosystem type of thing that we should see brought in more than ever, uh, particularly into this challenging time. Um, you know, before I ask you, you know, sort of our final question, I want to give you an opportunity, you know, just to also share if there's anything else you'd want to share, particularly about the work Karis does. Um, and, you know, if there's even any stories that you feel uh, would highlight that, you know, you, you know, from learners and such, that, that speaks to kind of your unique learning uh, model that, you know, as you mentioned, is online, um, but, but you're having profound impact uh, with significant quality uh, with employers, but also individual students. Um, and you're really helping them, you know, find that opportunity for career mobility, uh, which is frankly more important than ever uh, in the healthcare workforce, like other industries, but particularly in healthcare. Anything else you'd want to share, you know, from that lens? Well, I think, you know, in terms of our, our learner stories, one of the things that we hear the most often is that they are surprised at how early and religious we are about connecting our learners with prospective employers in their area. It's something that we talk about with them when they're starting to make their decision. It's things we encourage them to explore on their own. And then we certainly have a whole, a whole way of scaffolding those introductions and making sure that they are successful. So those things I think are really what makes the difference because at, at the end of the day, people choose to do this because they're looking for the work. So making sure that those, those connections happen. And then I think, from the employer's perspective, giving them tools and resources that aren't just PowerPoints or relying on sort of their, their frontline staff to do the supplemental training and the cultural support and giving, giving them more tools in their toolkit to help solve some of the problems they have with their employee base, I think is, is critical because to the conversation we've just been having, if you don't support the whole ecosystem, it breaks down, right? Just supporting students doesn't necessarily guarantee their success and just training people who are further in their career doesn't necessarily help people with their workforce shortages. So really thinking about it holistically, I think is the way for all of us to start going. I love that because obviously you're speaking about, you know, supporting the whole learner but you're also speaking about from an employer lens, you know, what, what do you do to help support them as well? Um, because obviously, you know, in the work that you're doing, it's all about, you know, training to work um, and, and frankly, you know, training to certification and, you know, on the employer end, not only is that pipeline there, that, that pathway there, um, but, 
but how do you create that stickiness uh, that allows the learner to, to never think about another industry? Um, and, and, you know, even if they're a medical assistant, there's so many other pathways uh, for them to, to encounter. And the employer has a responsibility there um, as well. Uh, certainly the learner uh, does in some, some cases too, but certainly the employer does. And so that ecosystem approach of whole learner, whole employee, whole employer is really an interesting one. So um, we are, you know, getting, getting to uh, the close here uh, of this important time together. And obviously I know you've addressed many of these related questions, but we always ask the same question. And so I wanna give you an opportunity as well, uh, particularly just to share with us, you know, anything that you in particularly, or, you know, certainly as the CEO of Keras, uh, would, would do or, or say, we need to consider in an ecosystem manner to help solve what many would describe as a healthcare workforce crisis, really thinking about it through the lens of innovative educational solutions that brings together healthcare, higher education, uh, training providers, as well as workforce development. What would that be and how would you do it? Well, I think as much as we've talked about skills today, and I think those are critical, I think we have to expand the conversation from just technical skills to human skills. One of the things that I worry about the most in this space is that in order to be successful, you know, as an employee, as a person in your life, you have to have some pretty good human skills, particularly in healthcare, right? Everything is about who you work with and your patients and getting to patient outcomes. And if I hear over and over again what a struggle that can be for a lot of people who are entering this space. And I think we have to stop thinking about it as technical skills first, human skills maybe later on the job, and really think about how do we enable folks to be successful across both sides of that coin? And how do we, how do we invest more in their learning that allows them to be truly job ready, and by which I mean not just able to do the job, but able to culturally survive, work with patients, work with physicians, you know, and thrive in that job, because I think everyone wins when that happens. Thank you for sharing that. And, it, and it, it's so insightful, because to your point, it, even in healthcare, we've started to see more and more conversation around the whole patient, the whole person, um, and really that importance of, you know, mental health and, and, you know, physical uh, health, but even for, you know, for education, it's so important too, uh, because, you know, we're talking about individuals who come into many of these types of programs that, you know, may be working multiple jobs while they're also doing uh, a training program to, to lead to a national, you know, national level certification. And so, uh, or we could be talking about a student who's a single mom or, or a single dad, or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, where they're, where they're doing such a you know, additional work and have a lot of stress, but at the same time uh, are taking that step for career mobility. And so thank you for sharing that. Um, certainly, I think it's helpful for people to hear and, and it's helpful to know that you as the CEO of Keras have really embedded that into uh, not only your, your secret sauce, um, but, but more importantly, the impact you're having with your learners. So um, I want to, you know, obviously thank you, Misty, uh, for joining us here today on EdUp HealthUp, but, but also express our appreciation to you and your team uh, for really, you know, having that, that mission and impact to build learning experiences that allow individuals to enter and then grow uh, their careers in healthcare. And obviously under your leadership, Karis has really had a, a large focus on career mobility. And so we, we thank you uh, and recognize that as well. Well, thank you so much. It is 
it is our honor to be able to work in this space and hopefully make a little bit of a difference. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you again. And I also want to thank all of our guests uh, for joining us here as we add up health up with an immense focus on transforming healthcare through innovative educational solutions, because we know that it is only going to be an ecosystem approach that can truly help address some of the most challenging uh, times within not just healthcare, but also education and workforce development. Again, thanks for joining us. And again, thanks to Misty for being here. Uh, we look forward to seeing all of you soon.